Sometimes all a team needs is a great weekend. And that's exactly what the Pittsburgh Penguins got when it comes to their two games this weekend. They sweep the back-to-back against the St. Louis Blues and the Tampa Bay Lightning, collecting all four points are now in the second wildcard spot, just two points behind the New York Islanders. In today's episode, we're going to go over both games, especially after they kicked Tampa's butts on Sunday. That's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes, follow this show's Twitter at LR Store Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So let's jump right into it. Penguins get a massive win against St. Louis Blues, three to two on Saturday. They follow up that up with a seven to three beatdown of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's start there. So, what really went into this one? You're wondering. Well, <clears throat> honestly, everything. Um, this was not a lucky result for your Penguins. No, they speed bagged those guys. They absolutely took it to Tampa all night long. This was the second time they have crushed Tampa this season. The first time, remember, they beat them was at six to two, I believe, back in October. This one, seven to three. The Penguins have now beaten the Lightning four of the last five times going back to last season. The Penguins have had their number in the Mike Sullivan era. And you know, you're it right now. Sure, you know, they had Brian Elliott for two of the games this season. I get it. You know, you're not playing under Vasilevsky. That's going to change on Thursday when they will play Vasilevsky. But even last season, you know, they beat Vasilevsky twice last year, even down in Tampa Bay when that was when I think they played one of their finer games of the season before they lost in the playoffs last year. This is a team that knows how to play Tampa Bay well. And even on a back-to-back, and Tampa Bay was on a back-to-back as well, Penguins, you know, they really came out and sent a message in this one. Penguins controlled things at five on five. They had 50%, 50, a little over 50% of the shot attempts. Scoring chances were almost even, but high danger. The Penguins led 57.6% at 5v5. Expected goals, um, 50% to 49. Um, if you want to go to all situations, um, about 50-50 for shot attempts. Kind of close to the same for scoring chances, but the Penguins did lead in expected goals in high danger. But, you know, the Penguins also got the saves in this one. Casey DeSmith. Very, very good performance um, playing in um, in place of Tristan Jari, who got the win on Saturday. Um, goals from every line, massive. You know, if you would tell me, if you, okay, if you were going to tell me that coming into this game, Teddy Bluger, Brian Dumoulin, and Jeff Carter would score all in the same game, I would have thought you were deranged. But no. That is exactly what happened in this one. Teddy Bluger, yes, kind of a tap and empty net goal. um, But hey, the guy celebrated like he had never scored a goal before. I would have done the same thing. And I think you all would have as well. Um, Brian Dumoulin gets a slap shot goal from the point with just a few seconds left in the second period. And then Jeff Carter with a really nice rocket over Elliott's glove. And the Penguins scored. Now after that, Crosby goal. He had his 26th goal of the season. We'll get to him and Gino in just a second. Um, Penguins scored four goals in about five or six minutes to end that period. They they, they ended the game um, right after that Dumoulin goal. You know, 
still, you know, four goal lead. I've seen teams come back from four goals down. Heck, the Penguins blew a four goal lead. But once it got to five, it's like, okay, this is probably over. You're not going <coughs> to come back from five goals down in one period. That's just that's just not it. But, um, you know, Penguins, they're able to benefit from DeSmith making the saves and Brian Elliott not playing well. It is weird. You know, Brian Elliott is one of those goalies who I, I just don't think he's any good. You know, he always plays bad against the Penguins. I saw this stat from Bob Grove. And I'm trying to find it here if I can. Um, I think he had it right before the game. I believe he said they were uh, Brian Elliott was 0-3 and 1 in his last. Yeah, no, yeah, here it is. Yeah. He going into this game, 1 in 3 and 1 in his last five starts, 853 save percentage, 4.43 goals against average. He's now one in four and one. I'm pretty sure that save percentage is probably maybe 830, 840. Goals against average is probably closer to five. He has really struggled against the Penguins. Pittsburgh got very lucky that they did not see Andre Vasilevsky in that game because he played out of his mind against the Red Wings on Saturday night. But, you know, even with DeSmith being inconsistent this season, they will take that goalie matchup every time against Elliott because, you know, they have destroyed Elliott for most of his career. So, you know, they were able to benefit off that. Again, the depth scoring really showed up. I know people are probably going to joke with me and say, hey, Hunter, you know, this is, this is going to make Ron Hexall not doing anything, anything at the deadline. I don't think so. You know, I think he probably still knows. I would at least hope that the team has a problem with their bottom six and they need a, another forward or two. And one game is not going to make up for that. I'm sorry. Jeff Carter, Teddy Bluger playing well for one game does not make up for the fact that they don't even have 10 combined goals this season. This was Teddy Bluger's second goal in the last calendar year. I mean, again, you know, Brian Dumont, this was his first goal this season. You, you see where I'm getting here? And he's a defenseman. But again, you see you see my drift here? I don't think that, that this one game is going to be like, oh, yeah, oh, my God. Like, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to, we're, we're not going to do anything at the deadline. That's just, you know, I think that's that's a foolish way how to run the team. But, you know, the depth was able to come up. And, you know, I, I think that game really turned because, you know, the Lightning, they had a couple of de- de- decent bounces in the first period. One goal, I think, went off. Um, Sorelli's like skating in just a really weird bounce. And then the Kutra, a really nice individual effort um, to make it 2-1. But in the second period after that, the Penguins killed off that minor penalty. <clears throat> Josh Archibald, beautiful pass to Evgeny Malkin. Springing for a big weight, goes five hole beats Elliott, ties the game. That's where the game turned, if you ask me. After that, Penguins really turned on the Jets. And, you know, they absolutely crushed the lightning. They were able to get a nice power play goal and make it 3-2. Sidney Crosby got his 26th goal of the season. Nice play from the point, by the way. If you didn't see that goal, um, <clears throat> nice job by Chris Letang to find Denzel in front of the net. Instead of him, you know, trying to make a move or something, he sees it out of the corner of his eye towards the right side of the net, dishes it to him. He finishes it. That's a play where, you know, I am fine with him passing. So other people may not be fine with him passing. To me, you know, it, it's cool. You know, Sid's right there. He is going to finish that 10 out of 10 times. And, you know, before that goal that he scored, he was having a rough weekend. Did not think he had a good game against St. Louis Blues. Was not thinking he was having a good game against the Lightning. Was making some very uncharacteristic uncharacteristic um, plays, excuse me, um, that he doesn't usually make. But after that goal, I thought he had a much better game. Really nice to see him get rewarded. And also Drew O'Connor, Matt, a great shot from him. Really nice deflection goal off of new team dad, Marcus Pedersen. Keep playing Drew O'Connor. Again, you, you, it's time to see what this team really has in him 
And, you know, even though I still expected move or two before the deadline, um, I still want to see what they have over these next couple of games, you know, just to get that sample size up a little bit, really see what they have in him. But overall, really nice win against a very good Lightning team. I'll keep saying this. The Lightning are very much flying under the radar this year, and nobody is talking about it. Nikita Kucherov is top five in the league in points. I did not know that until yesterday. That just goes to show how under the radar he's been. Steven Samkos, still one of the best goal scorers in the league. you got Alex Kalorn. He's still good. Victor Hedman, top three, top four defensemen in the league. Andre Vasilevsky, best goaltender in the league. Nick Paul's been good. Brandon Hagel's been good for them. They just got Tanner Janot for a ridiculous asking price. But, hey, you know, if anyone can get something out of him or get him back to the way he they played last year, it's Tampa. Um, this is still a very deep team that is capable of making another long run. And the Penguins... That was a very nice win against one of the better teams in the conference. They crushed them in that game. It's part of my language, just a total, you know, ASS kicking, if you want to say, um, when it comes to the Penguins. So really nice stuff from there. Um, That concludes this first segment of the show. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to get into that game against St. Louis Blues. My takeaways from that. Just my takeaways from the weekend overall before we're going to do a small preview for the game on Tuesday as the Penguins will take things down south to the country music capital of the United States and take on the Smashville or Nashville Predators. But before we get to that, I have a new overlay here for Athletic Greens, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about right now. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I didn't have really time in the morning to work out. I wanted better gut health, more energy as I would be waking up, all that stuff. My, my girlfriend today had you know one of them and she actually said it was very, very good because she couldn't get to the gym this morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, and probiotics to help you start your day right. This special band of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Also, it's over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with with convenient daily nutrition. It's one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Lockdown Penguins Podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Okay, I can hear the – is that that time? Yep, three, about almost four o'clock. Yeah, that's the daily time that the train is coming. I apologize if you all can hear that in the background. There's a train about – train track about maybe 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3 miles from my house. So pretty close by. Um, but <clears throat> the weekend started off great before they blew out Tampa Bay because they went and beat the Blues in overtime. <clears throat> I'll be honest, Yens, the Penguins probably made this a little more difficult than they needed to, but I also will say they very much deserved to win this game. Um, <clears throat> the only reason this game was close, well, two reasons, I should say. <clears throat> one, the Blues got a couple of very fluky goals. First one, they make it one nothing. Harmless wrist shot from the point. Sure, it's a nice deflection, but you know it's kind of a little fluky. And you know, I think Tristan just wasn't really expecting it. 
Second goal, I don't know how Francis Sharon does not blow the whistle there. Um, and, you know, the, the Blues are able to tie it with, what, 227 left in the third period. There's a mad scramble around the net front. Again, I don't know how he, see, he sees the puck there. That should be an easy call to blow the whistle. He didn't. Penguins are able to still win in overtime. And Jordan Minnington decides to play the game of his life. That's exactly what he wants. Well, I wouldn't say the game of his life. The game of his season and make almost 50 saves. Um, he was really denying the Penguins um, in this one. You look at five on fire. The Penguins had 16 high danger chances and they only won the game 3-2. Yeah, that just goes to show how good Bennington was in this game. And the Penguins crushed this team at 5-5. Five five. Penguins had 62% of the shot attempts at even strength, 64% of the scoring chances, 64% of those were high danger, 71% of expected goals. You want to go to all situations? Sure, let's do it. 62% of the shot attempts, 64% of the scoring chances, 70% of the high danger chances, 71% of the expected goals. Buck kicking, you know. And this is a very bad Blues team. Like, ridiculously bad. I mean, they got some talent there. Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, Pavel Buchnevich, Colton Pareko, but Bennington had a good game, of course, um, outside of that dive that he had, which was just hilarious. But, you know, there, there's still some good talent on that team. But again, they're bad outside of that. Got Craig Berube fighting with his players through the media. Players are fighting right back. And then they were looking like an AHL team out there. At one point, Penguins are up like 22 to five in shots. Had nothing to show for it. Heck, they were down in this game. They had to come back and win because that's the way this was going. It was almost looking like it was going to be a bad team somehow finds a way to lose this game despite dominating them. But, you know, Penguins were able to work some magic. Really nice job by Malkin and Rust in this game. They were monsters in this one. Gino, honestly, these last two games, he really got the Penguins back on track. Um, Beautiful give and go with Rust to tie the game up on Saturday. It's the breakaway goal on Sunday. And then, you know, Malkin to Russ to end the game on Saturday, you know, just a, about a minute and a half into overtime. You know, they were ridiculous. And Brian Russ, I actually should say, led all Penguins in average game score when you look at hockey stat cards. Best game of the season for him. Not even close, if you ask me. Um, but it was really um, Gino that just, you know, he, he was cooking in this one. Cooking with, with all the ingredients. Um, just a spectacular performance from uh, one of the franchise's icons, which was a menace on the puck. And it was playing fine defensively as well. Took a penalty on Sunday night, whatever, but still in both games, you know, he, I think he was, he was probably the main reason why they got uh, four out of four points. He came alive and, you know, I, I can't say enough um, for how good um, he's been um, this season, especially uh, today. So great job from Gino. And, yeah, in that game, you know, you, you, you take the two points there, you get out of there. You, you got to be able to win those. You beat a bad team. You move on. Um, but, you know, these are two big wins overall. And I'm hopeful, I'm hoping that the core just showed the front office that, hey, we're still kicking and we've been kicking all year. We just need some help from you. Penguins are in a playoff spot right now. They have good math. Look at the standings. I understand they're two points behind the Islanders, but the Islanders have four games in hand on them. They can still easily get in front of them. Penguins are now three points up on the Capitals. They got three games in hand on them, and they only play the Caps one more time. You know, there are three points up on the Panthers. They still got two more um, games in hand on them. And they play the Panthers this weekend. That's going to be a huge game. Red Wings and Zebras have a game in hand on the Penguins, but, you know, Penguins still have very, very good math. Outside of maybe Buffalo and Detroit, 
know, they have the best math to get in. Got to win those games in hand, though. This weekend, that's the start of it. Keep building that momentum. Honestly, if you want to go back to even before these two wins, you are starting to see them kind of turn around at times. They should have beaten the Islanders twice. The Oilers and Devils games are sinkers. But since the All-Star break, I do think the process and, and, and a good chunk of these games has been there. They just haven't gotten the results. And you saw it really get ugly on Thursday against the Oilers. They were to turn it around in these two games. You know, hopefully that can continue. I'm also hoping that the general manager wants to do something. I understand that he's maybe being a bit passive right now. I will say this about him, though. He's made two great deadline moves since his, since he's been here. That's been his strong suit. Waiting out some of these teams at the deadline. I know the prices haven't been high, but he's still kind of waiting it out. It's the off seasons where he's really killed them. But let's see what he can cook up here um, as we get closer to the deadline. But, you know, great wins. Everyone contributed in these games. Marcus Pedersen had a goal. Great job from him. Again, defense contributed. Bottom six contributed. The core contributed. Got good goaltending. Everything they needed. Honestly, these probably were two season-saving wins for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, you know, they're going to need to keep this up going into their matchup on Tuesday against the National Predators. We're going to preview that game for um, the final segment. But before we get to that, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Bilt Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know my goal is to get a little healthier for most of this year. If you're like me where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've got just the thing for you. you got to try Bilt Bar. With Built Healthy, is actually tasty. Seriously, they are so delicious you won't even think they're good for you. They're perfect for New Year's resolution. And what makes them so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bilt does it, but these bars take the candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can head to your nearest Walmart today, Sam's Club, get those flavors like, you know, brownie batter, churro, cookies and cream and double chocolate, all that good stuff. You can thank me later when it comes to that. All right, I'm back in with another episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO Arsenal Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So, um, <clears throat> so it's gone over here. Wow. I thought that was a hockey move, but no. I am like so nervous to record my episode right now or finish this up because I don't want to trade to break for Ron Hextall because all the GMs have just gotten the memo that, oh, we're going to do our business early. Not going to save anything for Friday. Heck, we just saw Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty get traded. Thank God Ron Hextall did not trade back for Sam Lafferty. I don't think he's that good. You know, that's what I'm going to say about that. But Penguins Predators on Tuesday. For tomorrow's episode, we're going to have a full game recap right after. So it'll be a little bit of a late night um, upload. You'll probably listen to it Wednesday morning. And then Wednesday, we'll have another episode for you um, in the afternoon hour. So you're probably going to only go like, Five or six hours between listening to shows. I'm going to say that. But um, first meeting between the Penguins and Predators this season. The Penguins have actually gone 6-2-1 and two and one in their last nine games against Nashville. And actually, going back to 2010, the Penguins are 13-4-1 and four and one in their last um, 18 games against the Predators. And they also have points in seven of the last nine games against the Predators down in Nashville at Bridgestone Arena, 6-2-1 and, two and one, um, in, the, in, this, um, in this series. And... You know, this will be the final team that the Penguins have yet to play. Again, you know, they have not played them um, so far. And this road swing will also be the first trip or the final trip that is three or more road games this season. It all comes courtesy um, 
of Penguins PR. Players to look out for in this one, Ricard Raquel. He has actually been awesome against the, the uh, Predators in his career. Seven goals, 13 assists in 20 career games. Malkin, 19 points in 16 career games against the Predators. Latang, he's at a point per game as well. So those are the players that I'm really looked for um, to having a potential big impact. Ricard Raquel's been a little quiet these last few games. Look to see if he gets back on the on the score sheet. Gino, if he can continue his hot streak, that will be big and beneficial to the team. But this is a Predators team. They've been playing a bit better as of late, but we all know what their status is. They are sellers, according to Jeff Merrick and Elliot Freeman, that are only three untouchables when it comes to the Predators. UC Soros, who's a top five goalie in the league, Philip Forsberg, who is their best player, and Roman Yossi, who I think is a top five defenseman in hockey. He can do it all both ends of the ice. Everyone else they have said to be listening on, they just traded Trader Chandler Janot, got a ridiculous return for him, which, you know, I like him as a player. I would have liked him in the Penguins' bottom six. He's not worth all that. Tampa Bay, you know, they're going to do what they want to. I would not have paid that price, especially, you know, uh, you know that's that's what I'll say on that. But they also just um, traded Nino Niederreiter to the Winnipeg Jets, a player that I really wanted the Penguins to be in on. Um, last offseason, he would have been a perfect fit for the bottom six. Imagine if they had him down there right now. It's be pretty, pretty good. Um, their line combinations, Mikhail Granlund, um, Thomas Novak, Matt Duchesne. They are without Ryan Johansson right now. He's actually out for, I think, the rest of the regular season. He's out for at least the next three months. Um, he had to have surgery. Um, Zach Sanford, Cody Glass, Philip Tomasino, Cole Smith, Colton Sissons, um, Jakob Trennan, and then Kiefer Sherwood and Dante Fabro. This team um, is filling right now. You know, Philip Forsberg is actually day-to-day right now. Obviously, Johansson's out for the year. Borowiecki's on IR. We'll have to see. Um, if, if I can find this here real quick, Philip Forsberg, we're, we're going to have to see if he plays in this one, um, in the last game or the last practice on daily faceoff, um, he was not there. Um, and he got injured. I believe it was a couple of weeks. I believe he first got injured against the Flyers in the corner in the first, late in the first period in Philadelphia. That was just two weeks ago. Um, um, Alex, uh, Darty, who covers the Predators, said uh, Forsberg actually did not play um, 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 just about a little over a little over a week ago. Um, I think they're, say, they're trying to say like it's like a wait and see approach um, with him, but you know we'll, we'll have to see if he goes tomorrow. Um, right now, it doesn't look likely. If he's out as well, um, that's that's a big loss for Predators. So that that forward group is is not it uh, to say the least. They got Duchesne on there, obviously. Granlin's not bad, but you look at the rest of that lineup, it is, it's bad. It's, the Penguins got to win this game. Ryan McDonough, Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm, Alexander Carrier, Ekholm is in a lot of trade talks, Jeremy Lozon, Kevin Grable, um, and then obviously UC Soros in that with Kevin Lincoln in behind him. Penguins got to win this game. I know the Predators have been playing a little bit better hockey as of late, but this is a team that's selling. You know what, you know what you're going to get from them. This has to be a win for the Penguins. It has to. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're playing a team that is severely banged up without Johansson. Um, Forsberg is hurt. They just made a couple of trades. And your writer's out of your lineup. You know, um, Tanner Janot, I'm not sure his name. Tanner Janot is not there anymore. The Penguins will see him Thursday. Have to take advantage of playing another bad team. You know, these, I think when you look at this week, this has to be a win. Tampa Bay is going to be a tough game because you're playing Vasilevsky, and I think the Lightning are going to want to play a lot better against the Penguins in that game. But, you know, and then that game against Florida, 
going to be tough, but I think that's another one the Penguins have to win as well. If you can get four out of six points this week, I think you'll really be sitting pretty heading into that next week as this is, you know, this is a big playoff race right now for your Penguins. Um, Predators are not good at five on five. You know, defensively, they're a mess. It's like having Yossi and Ekholm. Soros is having a good year. He can steal a game at any moment, at any moment, excuse me. But, you know, despite all that, got to win this game. Got to play the way you did against St. Louis and um, against San Bay, especially St. Louis. You know, the Penguins went down, went down there playing a team that, you know, I wouldn't say they're playing for pride. They're, tro- they're still trying to play hard for Craig Berube. But, you know, this is a similar situation in Nashville where, you know, they're not going to quit on John Hines, the record. Either maybe a little bit better than the record indicates, but you know you still got to beat a team when they're down a little bit. You know, this team is selling; they're trying to go in a different direction. David Poyle announces retirement as being the general manager on Sunday. Barry Trotz is going to take over. They're probably going to have maybe <clears throat> another trade or two before the deadline. <clears throat> got to see what they can do against a team like this. So at five on five, do what you did in this one. That's the big thing when you look when you look at for me. Do what you did this weekend at five on five on five. Control the pace of the game. Get the power play back up and running. The penalty kill I also thought was strong. Continue to get the strong goaltending. Work below the dots. Forecheck aggressively. Play more stingy defensively because I thought, you know, defensively in these two games, the Penguins were pretty good. Only five combined goals against in those two games. I want to see that carry over here into this game against Nashville. So uh, this is a big one when it comes to the Penguins. Then get the two points here. Puts the pressure on other teams behind them to win there as well. We'll have to see what they do trades-wise. I know Ron Hexel hasn't done anything yet, but this is his MO. He's very patient. He's not going to do too much right now. We'll have to see if that changes throughout the week here. I kind of think he's going to make a move or two. I don't expect it to be Jacob Chickman. Excuse me. I would be surprised, folks, if they traded for Jacob Chickman. That's all I'm going to say on that. I can confirm that they have had some small talks after talking to a couple people who are closer to the team than me, but I would still be very surprised if they got him. I just don't think Ron Hextall wants to trade the future assets for him. And I also think it's more likely that he gets a forward for this team. But that'll do it for this one. Great stuff by the Penguins to get right back into it this weekend. We'll see if that can continue on Tuesday when they head down to Smashville to take on the Predators. I'll have a full game recap after that one, late Tuesday night, and then we'll continue on through the week um, with episodes leading up to the trade deadline. So thank you all so much for listening. Talk to you all on Tuesday.